Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. Good community church. Am I using the microphone correctly? It's a new one. I don't know if it's this or this. Well, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. Last week, I departed from our series in Leviticus, and we spent time looking at the thief on the cross. Um, I mentioned that during the Tenebrae service, I looked at that passage, and there was so much in there. I just wanted to uh, reflect on that. And today, I've spent uh, a lot of time preparing um, a Mother's Day message um, that I believe the Lord's put on my heart. So turn to Leviticus chapter 12. <laughs> I have the joy today of my own mother being here to hear me preach. That's really fun. I have to control myself. Our love language is sarcasm, which is okay within moderation, um, but not always appropriate. I'm very thankful for uh, the mother that God has given me, uh, the love and the patience that she um, ministered to me, make me the man that I am today. I grew up in a home that loves the Lord, um, that meditated on his word day and night, that taught me not just to love Jesus, but to love his church and to serve others. And my mom has been a great example of that. So thank you, mom. And I also want to say to my wife, Amber, who is busy being mom right now, I love you. Um, It's been beautiful seeing you become a mom and see you minister to our home in that unique way. Um, I learned so much through the, the mothering spirit that you have. It reminds me to grow in patience and in love and in long-suffering. It encourages me to be the best man that I can be. And it's beautiful to see uh, just the fruit that the spirit has planted into them through your faithfulness. So hopefully you are in Leviticus chapter 12. And this is the laws of purification after childbirth. So I couldn't deviate from Leviticus 12. We're not doing Proverbs 31 today. And and I thought, man, how unique would that be for me to do a Mother's Day sermon in Leviticus? And then I found out I did it last year also. So mothers, I love you. Be patient with me. Maybe next year I won't sign up. uh, And I'll let someone else sign up. But I took it from Jeff and he let me. Um... So, today's sermon is going to be a little bit short, um, a couple reasons. One is the length of this passage is not that long. We looked previously in Leviticus chapter 11 at the food dietary laws, and the verse count came up to 47, where chapter 12, only eight verses. So this will allow you moms to go home and be pampered, hopefully by loved ones or something um, presented to you in a loving way. During my college years, I had a friend, Ryan, and he was the first friend among us to get married. And it was a big deal. Uh, It was a big deal in in, in my life. I hadn't dated, I don't think, at that time. Um, And he asked me to be the best man. So I got an inside scoop of how the ceremony works, uh, how things go from boyfriend-girlfriend to engagement to, to marriage, Uh, Icing on the cape, Uh, my best friend growing up, Pierce, was one of the groomsmen. So we had three 
really close friends going through this journey, going through this first. And young men, let me have your ears. If you are the best man, that means you get a lot of honor with a, really a little bit of responsibility. You say a toast. You drive him from point A to point B, which is the church. And you might give the check to the minister. Uh, young ladies, you do all the heavy lifting. Um, it, is, it is ridiculous. Well, in that, in that experience, I remember the day of Ryan's wedding. We gave ourselves a very generous half hour to get ready. <laughs> I imagine all the women were working on, on hair and makeup and coordinating jewelry and, and dresses and, and the music and the smells and the photos, all that. And the guys were simply unzip a bag, a couple buttons, one zipper maybe, and we're done. <laughs> it's beautiful. It is awesome. Well, while we are getting ready, spending our 10, 15 minutes of finding out whose bag is whose, my, my friend Pierce realized he locked the keys in his car. And inside the trunk is the tux. Well, Ryan, the groom, had a very simple suggestion. We just bust the window of your red Mustang, open the door, get the latch, and then the trunk will be open. Now, Pierce lived for his Mustang, and I'm not going to go into a very long story of explaining how much he loved cars. Uh, That was not an option for Pierce. We're not going to break my window, which could be easier to replace, so that I can be appropriate for this wedding. Ryan, the groom, said, no, my wife will have her day. She will not walk down the aisle with her father at her side, head towards our minister who we know, who we love, who has journeyed through this with us, And her exchange vows and look to her right and see you wearing a stained, wrinkly white t-shirt and cargo shorts. Now, there is nothing sinful in cargo shorts. There's nothing sinful whatsoever in a wrinkled shirt with stains on it. But it is not appropriate. It's not appropriate for the guests, for the, the loved ones of honor to be standing in this sacred place, in this beautiful occasion, wearing their casuals. By God's good grace, they were able to call the police department. The police department usually won't open up your door, but when they heard wedding in this small rural town in Georgia, they made an exception and they helped out Pierce. And he got the tuxedo and got plenty of time to put it on without hurting the precious Mustang. The wedding went forward without the bride knowing until maybe days or weeks or months later. We come to Leviticus today, and we're going to be learning about what is appropriate before Yahweh. Israel has been brought into his care. They are outside of Egypt's dominant thumb, and he is placing them in the wilderness to journey because of their disobedience. And while their warrior king is among them, he is placed In the center of them, this tabernacle. This functions as the king's court. This functions as the king's garden. His very throne is before them. And when Israel is in need of forgiveness, it is granted. And when Israel is in need of being clean, they are cleaned. 
And when they are in need of protection, he protects. But what we find in Leviticus is the Lord is holy and the people must be holy and they must be clean. So in this part of Leviticus, Leviticus 11 through 15, Yahweh is going to be instructing Moses how they are to be ritually pure before him. So chapter 11 dealt with dietary laws and the relation to animals. Some animals you just cannot eat or you cannot come in contact with because it makes you ceremonially unclean before God. That doesn't mean morally wicked or sinful. Okay, think about my friend Pierce wearing cargo shorts at a wedding. It's not appropriate. What we find in the following verses, chapter 12, deals with bodily fluids during, someone's laughing, bodily fluids during giving birth. I get that. Uh, Then we have impurities from disease, things like mold. And then in 15, we'll again have a bodily fluids with different discharges. So this is, this is kind of a hard section in the book, and I get that. But it's part of the law, and it deals with the practical day-to-day of our lives. So Yahweh is saying, I know who you are, and this is the practical way in which we are going to conduct ourselves so we can have fellowship. Let's go ahead and dive in now to chapter 12. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying, if a woman conceives and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. As at the time of her menstruation, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day of the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. Then she shall continue for 33 days in the blood of her purification. She shall not touch anything holy, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying are completed. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean two weeks, as in her ministration. And she shall continue in the blood of her purifying for sixty-six days. And when the days of her purifying are completed, wherefore for a son or for a daughter, she shall... Bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. And he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. Then she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law of her who bears a child, either male or female. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or or two pigeons one for a burnt offering, the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her, and she shall be clean. This is the word of the Lord. So what we have in verses 1 through 4 is the instructions on how to be pure if one is to have a boy. We're going to find the distinction later in 5, what to do with a girl. So verse 1 through 2 mentions that she is unclean. Well, what's unclean about this? And there's been some theological assumptions and and, and directions that we go when we we come to her needing to be made clean. And I believe verse 2 tells us that her being unclean is not because of the child. So we're reformed here. And we, we usually believe, we believe and we teach that we are born into sin. We believe in original sin, Adam as our, our head, 
did not obey the law of the Lord, and because of his headship we are guilty, and because of our natural state of being born sinners, we're unclean. But I don't believe this uncleanliness deals with the morality of a child being born. I don't believe the sacrifices she's going to make is because she gave birth to a sinner. And yes, it's true. We don't have to teach our kids to be selfish. We don't have to teach our kids to become angry. I've never had to sit down and teach a lesson online to my children. It becomes natural for us. We, we have desires within us of things we want, and we figure out our own way how to fill our needs, sinful or righteously. I believe the issue of being unclean here is that there is an emission of blood here. So I want you to think purity here and, and cleanliness. And there might be some overlap with, with health as well. But I believe Yahweh is teaching them when something is mixed with blood and it's unnatural, if there's an unnatural flow, it symbolizes or represents in a real sense death. Some of you mothers here, all of you mothers here, you know what that looks like. You know the time needed to heal. You know it's not natural. You know you need a time of recovery and reproof. And in that time, the Lord is saying, you are needing to be on respite and you are needing to restore yourself to a wholeness of health. The Bible gives us a lot of instructions about children. It never says don't have kids. It says be fruitful and multiply in the garden and to fill the earth, Genesis 1.28. The psalmist says in 127 verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. God loves families. He instructs us to build them if we are able to. This is good and right in the house of the Lord. One thing I love about our church is you see and hear children every moment of the sermon. I'm an elder, and, and I get it. Um, one of our members, when he first came here, he realized that we have wooden floors, and that will create echoes when, we when kids walk down, and that might create an issue. And, and now they love that noise. It's a, it's a sound of life, of activity, of, of family, of the next generation. We find in the Bible that barrenness is not natural and that it causes concern. And what's beautiful is the Bible speaks on that. We have women like Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah, Samson's mother, Elizabeth. These are women that pray unto the Lord and they desire a good thing. They desire a child. However, when it comes to speaking about labor, Genesis 3.16 does teach of a consequence because of Adam and Eve's sin. The Lord says, I will surely put, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing, and in pain you shall bring forth children. So Eve hears this in Genesis 3.16. Think about, think about a world where there was no pain involved in childbearing. That would have been paradise. That would have been amazing. 
to have such a gift, a, a young soul in your hands and no pain during that process. But one of the consequences of ease, disobedience and deception is now there is pain in childbearing. So the Lord wants to deal with this. So what we find in the section dealing with the male in verses 1 through 4 is that she is to be clean for seven days. And then on the eighth day, the child is to be circumcised, the male child. Um, This is the covenant that the Lord created with Abraham. Go ahead and Leviticus, Genesis isn't that far. Let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 17. So Genesis 17, starting in verse 10. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and that shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or brought with your money from a foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. An uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. So for two things I want to mention here in this. You can go back to Leviticus 12. The Bible speaks about some things that are very delicate and intimate in our own culture. We're not used to having these kind of conversations. Pray for me as I get to Leviticus chapter 15. Because that's just going to be crazy. We, we are used to talking about certain topics that are okay. But then there are others that it's just not fun to talk about in your own family, at the dinner table, let alone at a pulpit or in a Sunday school class. But God speaks about procreation and speaks about the Bible in a way in which Moses' culture was totally comfortable with. It's totally comfortable. So it, this might feel uncomfortable for you. I, I get that. But there is important instructions that I think God is wanting to show us here. One of the ways in which the Lord wants his covenant to be respected and kept between his people is that the sons receive circumcision. So that they to be faithful in this. It's a way in which they are physically set apart by God. So the woman, after giving birth, she used to be separated for 77 days. I'm sorry, seven days. And then following that, we read, For 33 days. This creates 40 days of her being set apart, not to go to the temple, not to take any sacrifice, not to touch anything holy. And what's interesting is in this time period, she is able to have the child. She's able to feed this child and and bring this one in. All the details we are not given in this passage. Some of you might say, thanks be to God. Um, but, but we do know that she's still able to mother in this time. So I want you to think about just mother having that little one, this little boy, for 40 days. And she's not to leave. 
Does that sound like shame? Does that sound like she's being really sinful? Or does that just sound like a beautiful design God has created for the home? You will recover, you will restore yourself to physical wholeness, and this little one will grow. There will be an interruption in this. Your young one, he will be part of the covenant community with his forefathers. He will receive circumcision. This will be a mark. This one belongs to the Lord. This one is attached to his salvation and to his promises. And then he comes back to mother's arms. We do find in the Bible, women are not less than men but they are distinctly different. And it's crazy that that's even a a hot topic uh, in this time, in our culture, but it is. And the Lord finds that there is a difference between male and female. We do find something really awkward here. There's a, a doubling for the time required for a woman in her purification if she gives birth to a daughter. She's supposed to be kept away in her menstruation, for 14 days, and then 66 days on top of that for purification. Now, we do not know why. And if you can find 12 commentaries on Leviticus, awesome, amen, I'd like to borrow those. And in those 12 commentaries, you'll probably come up with 24 different reasons to try and justify this. Uh, There is no agreement among any of the scholars why there's a doubling of days for the women and not for the men. So I want to give just two simple theories here. Uh, One is, it's most natural for a daughter that is born to later have children. So in preparation for this, an acknowledgement of her unique role in the home and her physical makeup, she is going to be set aside for a second term of purification. Another theory is that because the son is physically engaged in the Abrahamic covenant through circumcision, he is not doubled in his time of waiting. Now, I can be a thousand percent wrong in that, and that's okay. And I would encourage you to come up with different theories. There's some crazy stuff out there when you look at different reasons why this might be. Some cultures and some religions believe that if a boy nursed on his mother, that shoot away demons. That's not very biblical. You don't find that in any of the the Old Testament or New Testament writers. But there's fascinating theories that that circle around this. What we find in verse 6 and 8 is offering requirements. And when the days of your purifying are completed, verse 6 says, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering. Why I do not believe the Bible is saying men are better and women are second class is because the same offering is provided. There's not a second class citizen that I see here. And when you compare the Bible to ancient texts, Women are lifted up very high. Uh, Visit Genesis 2 and see how the Lord describes Eve, not just Adam. 
She is the only being fit that can help Adam, that can fulfill his role, that can commune with him. Eve, like Adam, bears God's image. Male and female both carry this image of God. And what we find here in verse 6 is that both require the same form of sacrifice. Now we've already gone through the burnt sacrifice and the sin sacrifice. Thanks be to God. That's been awesome. We've covered this ground. Uh, The burnt offering is a general atonement for sin and an expression of devotion to God. So after the mother gives gives birth, she goes before God. She acknowledges she's a being that does need forgiveness. But she also shows her devotion to Yahweh. I am a follower and a worshiper of you. I am one that needs to be clothed and guided and protected by you. You are the God in which I celebrate. We also have the sin offering. And what's tricky about some of these different offerings, the five out of here, sometimes this could be translated the sin offering. I'm reading ESV and that's what it has. It's a, it's a good description of it. But it could also be called a purification offering. Um, This can be dealing with, as we saw previously in chapter 4, unintentional sins that are committed. You didn't seek to do something. However, you might have become untaminated by touching something, doing something out of order. So you you provide this purification offering for unintentional sins. Maybe you don't even know that you did it. It's also used to remove the consequences or lack of perfection in someone. Some of the sins of which need atonement are not moral, but rather matters of impurity. So think again about my friend Pierce wearing cargo shorts in the, in the early 2000s. He might think he looks really good in those things, but a bride on her wedding day wants no sight of cargo shorts. The mother brings this offering to restore her purity. Now let's go ahead and we're going to be wrapping up pretty soon. Let's go ahead and go to Luke chapter 2 real quick. I want to show that Mary was obedient unto the Lord and she also fulfilled the law in giving her offerings to God. So Luke chapter 2 and we'll be in verse 21, Luke 2, 21. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, and the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Mary is obedient in this beautiful requirement. There are some really um, sad and scary things that have been done to Mary. Um, there There are certain branches within Christendom um, that believe that she never had sex after 
birth. There are some that believe she never actually bled during the delivery of her child. And this is because it's hard for some to to grasp the idea of Mary being unclean or Mary even being a sinner. But we find in the scriptures that's just not the case. Mary has children later. Mary was in need of being cleansed by the Lord in the way in which he instructs us to be clean. And I make mention of this for kind of an application for mothers today. The Lord provides various forms of grace for you to be restored and to be made whole. Um, There's something that goes around called mother's guilt. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It's real. Um, It's difficult for moms. They'll see their their child. They'll see the home. They'll see something. They'll think, oh, that's automatically my fault and the weight falls upon them. I want you to see that even Jesus' mother needed to make offering for herself to be restored. What's beautiful is that there are different uh, financial brackets one falls into. I'm not going to get into the details today. Um, But if you were rich, there was an expectation for you. If you were well-off and comfortable, if you were meager and poor, like Mary and Joseph are found to be in Luke 2, well, then what you offered was a smaller sacrifice. You can be a good mother and be wealthy and comfortable, or you can be a, a good mother and have meager means. The Lord calls you to be a mother and to love him. A point I want to make also is mothers are human. Part of who you are requires you to be unclean. And that's not comfortable. Just think about the birth. It demands that you're unclean. What happens to your body, what happens to your energy, what happens to your mind is a lot Being a mother requires sometimes that you are unclean and that does not mean you are sinful. Two different categories. You will not live in perfection. You will be exhausted, dirty, overwhelmed. But you are doing that which is required of you. And it's beautiful. Some of the dirty things, moms, that you have to do, no one can do. And like 90% of the time, this is a made-up statistic, I'm a man, men do that. 90% of the time, kids don't care that it's dirty. They don't care. They care that you're there. They care that you're faithful. Another application for mothers, keep your priorities devoted to the Lord. Follow in what he has instructed for you. A faithful Hebrew woman would place herself on sabbatical for those 40 or for those 80 days. And when appropriate, she would have her son circumcised. Or when appropriate, she would have her son or her daughter brought to the temple and she would make a sacrifice rightly in worship to the Lord. Keep your priorities, mothers. Keep biblical priorities. We live in a culture where we like to shame one another with the priorities you're not keeping and the picturesque scene that you're not living up to. Keep your priorities fixed on the Lord. He will be honored and the culture might not be. 
big whoop. I'd hate for us to let down the culture. May your devotion be in service to the Lord and know that it blesses your soul and it also blesses your home. So prioritize your life and devotion for the Lord, not just for your own soul, but for the children whom God has blessed you with. Let's go ahead and bow in prayer. True and living God, I thank you so much for passages like Leviticus 12 that remind us that you use people to do amazing things. Father, I thank you so much for the mothers in this room and for the role that you have given them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them in moments where they feel unclean, where they feel spent, discouraged, and not good enough. Father, remind them that all of us are in need of washing and of forgiveness and that the, the unique role in which they play is vital. May they see that their moments of weakness and need, that they are beautiful illustrations before the family and before this culture. And in our emptiness, may we come to you to be filled. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.